Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Robots in Disguise podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. Are you ready to... In the jungle! That's right. I didn't know Rumble was in this series. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, was it, wasn't there a yeah, Rumble? Yeah, the next toy? episode is actually the... Fr- yeah, the next episode is Frenzy in the Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> Frenzy in the Forest. Aww. And then the lesser known third third episode, Enemy in the Jungle. <laughs> no, Enemy in the Mine. Oh, oh that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what 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 was the the horrible title I thought of the other day? Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, uh, there should be an episode. Oh, uh, Morton meets the eye. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, that, that's what I called it when I threw a bunch of salt in the guy's eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. Rumble in the Jungle, uh, starring Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. Mm, no, it doesn't star them. They're not in this. Uh, for our younger viewers, uh, much younger. Yes, much younger. Well, younger than you. Yeah, you, you, this fight took place in 1974, so I think it's older than all of us. Oh shit! It's older than all of us. I wow. Yeah, the. Mm. It was. Uh, I guess it, it was a big boxing match in Zaire with uh, current heavyweight champion George Foreman, who was undefeated against Muhammad Ali, who was the challenger. This was uh, not long after he'd been reinstated to boxing after refusing to be drafted for the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And Ali was Ali was the underdog, but he won using the uh, the rope a dope technique, where you, you know he sort of took the punches from uh, from Foreman and sort of supported him against the ropes, and then Foreman got tired and Ali beat him. Uh, Sports. I mean, it was, you know, it, it, one of the greatest boxing matches of the twentieth century. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of it, which yeah. means it's pretty significant. Yeah, because yeah, it, it was you, it you was probably like- know that maybe the thriller in Manila. Yes, it, it, it was a change of his usual strategy, and, and well, it's, it's referenced so many places and so many odd things. In that, um, uh, there's a wrestler named Shinsuke Nakamura, who mm-hmm. was, was a Japanese wrestler and had a finishing move called what was it called? Um, Ali Bamia, I think that's how it was said, which was a reference to uh, something chanted in that wrestling, in that boxing match of Ali, kill him. Mm. Well, and Ali was very popular in Japan. Yeah. yeah, so that was his finishing move when he was in Japan, but he had to change that when uh, Shinsuke came to the WWE for a bit. I think he's not there anymore. So he, he changed the name of his finishing move to the Kinshasa, which, um, what was the name of the city? That's- that's the city, the Kinshasa Zaire. Yep. Now Kinshasa, Democratic Republic of the Congo. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is your wrestling moment for the year, possibly, because I don't watch wrestling as much <laughs> anymore. We don't talk about it anymore, really. But, uh... Yeah. Well, I've, in fact, uh, Ali famously fought a, a Japanese wrestler. Oh? Uh, yeah, it was in 76, the War of the Worlds. It was Ali Ooh. versus Antonio Inoki. Oh, Inoki! Shoot, I've heard of him, and I can't remember any details other than wow, he he's sort of famous, big. I mean, he was he was a huge thing. I think Ali was extremely uh, popular in hmm. uh, in Japan at the time. So this was like a it, it was 
and I, it, it inspired that fight in, uh, Rocky three between, uh, Rocky and, uh, Thunderlips Hulk Hogan. Hmm. Where you had a boxer versus a wrestler. Yeah. Uh, it, it ended in a draw, of course. Oh, Inoki's the guy with the big jaw. Okay, that's why I remember. Yeah, and I then I think did he later change his name to like Muhammad Inoki or something? Um, sort of in honor of him defeating, uh, <laughs> defeating Muhammad Ali. That sounds extremely Japanese. Yes, weird but neat. Oh, and then uh, Ali attended his uh, Inoki's final wrestling match. Hmm. Cool. Anyway, uh, this doesn't really have anything to do with this no, episode, which but I hope you enjoyed it all the same. Yes, it, uh, like, the title of this episode is kind of a good title, but it immediately brings up in my mind that boxing match. So it, <laughs> it I get, th- there's probably a few songs called Rumble in the Jungle, most of which are a reference to that boxing match. Yes, although I think, uh, yeah, there. I think the main one I'm thinking of is by Robin, uh. the, the singer. Anyway. Uh, so this first aired uh, May 16th, 2015, as written by uh, the late Dean Stefan. Oh. oh. Aw. Who, who uh, wrote uh, a number of... This is his only Robots in Disguise episode. Uh, he passed away in 2018. Uh, but he wrote uh, one episode each of both Animated and Transformers Prime. Uh, he wrote Society of Ultimate Villainy <gasps> oh, in Animated. Oh, I love that Ooh. one. And uh, Speed Metal in Transformers Prime, the one where uh, they do the Fast and the Furious with uh, Knockout. Oh, yeah, that was Yes. Cool. Oh, and he did a bunch of Rescue Bots episodes. Yes, um, uh, including Four Bots and a Baby, which I believe we all enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. One where, they, where they've got the robot baby. Cool. Oh, yeah, that, that silly one. I mean, it, it, a lot of Rescue Bots are pretty silly. That was among the sillier ones. It was a good kind of silly, because it was Rescue Bots. We open on what appears to be a solo mission for Strongarm. She has been begging and pleading Bumblebee for weeks for a solo mission. Yeah. She's and, gone 2,000 miles, which... Well, as, as Chrissy Hind would tell you, 2,000 miles is very far. Yes. Yeah, did, yes, it is. Did anyone actually do the measuring on a globe to figure out how far I, away they could I did be? not. I can tell you, having driven 1,000 miles, uh, that... It would if she were going the speed limit uh, on highways, which you absolutely have to assume that Strongarm does not oh, go a single mile absolutely. over the speed limit. Uh, presumably not stopping to rest at any point because she is a transformer. She's Cybertronian. Mm. Probably take her at least a day and a half. <laughs> so it's pretty far. Well, I was thinking, like, where on the globe could it be? Well, I mean, part of it is that we don't actually know where Crown City is. Yeah, but like, yeah. We, we've, we could guesstimate somewhere between Chicago or, no, no, it's probably on the West Coast. Maybe Seattle. Well, clearly she ends up in what is either Central or South America. Yeah, it feels like South America, maybe, but, I, oh, I should have looked up the distances. Yeah, well, I mean, my only experience with this is that, uh, 
this one time I, I walked 1,000 miles, and then I, I walked 1,000 more. No, you walked 500 <laughs> yeah, miles, Rob. So oh, Don't that's you right, remember? Miles. Uh, <laughs> well, see, I walked back, though. Ah, okay. I had to walk no, back, so it was, I, it was, it was about, 1,000 miles. Uh, 1,000 miles was about uh, 20 hours. It was... Hmm. I, I would normally do it in two stretches, and it would be about 10 hours a day, uh, being oh. a normal, boring human who has to sleep. Well, thanks to Google, um, <laughs> Seattle to Mexico City, I think it's Mexico City, is uh, 2,400 miles, roughly. Okay. Okay. So if they're south of that, yeah. then, if they're then like yeah, Oregon, that would get them. That kind of works. A little higher than that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, she's recording a journal entry about this, and she's very excited. She's very, she's she so is. excited that her pistons are tingling. Which again, what on a transformer <laughs> is a piston? Other than like the pistons, but it, it, it's, I don't know. I I shouldn't be seeing innuendo in this series more than like previous ones, but somehow it's there. I mean, it's not as much as like um the early <laughs> stuff of Jack and RC, but. <laughs> that was just yeah, but, oddly noticeable and weird. Yeah, she's 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 always dreaming about a promotion: sergeant strong arm, lieutenant strong arm, president strong arm. <laughs> I don't think you get promoted to president from the police force. Maybe I that's how it works on uh, on the Cybertron. Well, Maybe it is. Well, Starscream Which was an air commander and eventually ended up as president. Yeah, that let us leave the question: Does Cybertron have a president? Well, it did once. That is a good question. I mean, it might now. <laughs> I mean, I guess president there's like there's always like a council, so I guess you'd have like the president of the council. Yeah, I think it'd have to be like that. But again, I don't think that's something that you get promoted to through the like or, law enforcement ranks. I guess there, there's older definitions of president because for some reason I was looking at um. The, the names and titles of biblical demons, like dukes and marquees, and for some reason, some of them were presidents. Oh. Mm-hmm. See, I, I was, I mean, really, the closest I was hoping, I was, I just wanted to be pro to Secretary of Balloon Doggies. <laughs> <laughs> what? Listen, the, the Balloon Doggies demanded it, David. <laughs> oh. Perhaps I was the only one here who watched The Critic. I mean, I remember it's been the a very long very, time. Very long time. All like I would say probably ninety nine percent of what I remember from the critic is booty, booty, booty. <laughs> it stinks. And um, <laughs> oh, oh it, it's like there's a bunch of quotes like on the edge of my tongue, but I can't reach. Oh, them. what luck! There's a French fry stuck in my beard. <laughs> oh God! Oh oh, <laughs> Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, they're in there, but like they're not like at Green automatic recall. Oh, the critic. Damn! Now I want to rewatch the critic. Fuck! Is that on DVD? Take that, oh, Guanica. <laughs> anyway, so she is being followed. She is following a Decepticon signal, but she herself is being followed by <gasps> Bumblebee. She looks in the rearview mirror and she sees. A cloud of dust behind her, and so she turns around, and she's like, it's you! And then we get the opening credits. Yes. So, very nice suspense cut there. Mm-hmm. And indeed, it's Bumblebee, and oh. he's, but oh, hey, no, I was just, uh, I forgot to give you my lucky rock. Oh, he's so adorable here. 
Here it is. <laughs> my lucky rock. I have a line that I wrote down, and it took me a second to remember why it's there. Uh, the note is, is tailpipe dirtier than bumper? Because she, I guess, said that he was on her tailpipe. I mean, I would say it is slightly dirtier than bumper. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly physically dirtier than the bumper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, well depending upon the car. Well, I suppose that's true. And, and people, like, I've seen people back into telephone poles. <laughs> And just drive away. He's so just he he wanted to let her go on this, but he didn't want to let her go on this, and he's tailing her, and then he's just so like awkward when she catches him, and it's very adorable. Mm-hmm. Ah, so back at the uh, back at the scrapyard, it is fix it versus Denny. Denny wants to uh, tinker with Cybertronian technology. Fix it does not want him to do this because no, it is insanely there is some, dangerous. There's some Can very serious tension bug? going on here. I guess there's no like, there's not enough of a Cybertronian presence to have there be an organization. Like occasionally in Transformers fiction, you get like. A group that's just dedicated to making sure humans don't get Cybertronian technology. And I guess there's just not enough Cybertronian technology to need too much of that, but fix it is that he's that guy. Yeah. Agent, Agent Fowler is just sleeping on the job. Yeah. Well, I mean, still Agent, I'm, I'm guessing that Bumblebee has specifically made like, actively decided not to tell Agent Fowler he's in town. Yes. So, yeah, they are, uh, you know. And, you know, Grimlock is sort of trying to go along to fix it here because, you know, hey, you know, only, you know, only smart robots like us can understand high-tech Cybertronian stuff like this thing. Which which turns out to be a kazoo. Yes. The strange alien plastic tube. Like, that's a kazoo. Also, apparently, Fixit has been watching, I guess, either Dr. Probably Dr. Phil. Yes. Because he's... Yeah, considering the time period, yeah. Yes, you know, And I was going to say Dr. Oz would be an option, but I think Dr. Oz just badly does actual medical... Right. He's he's a medical quack. He's not a psychiatric quack. Right. And I I think unlike Dr. Phil, he is like an actual medical doctor, but he has taken the dark side of weird and doing weird medical stuff. Yes, he's just a quack. He's just taken the quackery side of it. It's it's unfortunate they don't get cable. He might be able to pay attention like that. That's Sanjay Gupta. I think he's an okay guy. Yeah. Mm. Of course, initially when he said, I'm well-versed in human emotion based on the viewing of a certain doctor on your televisions, I thought he was talking about Mr. Spock. I was really hoping that he was talking about some fictional doctor, but sadly it went in a different direction. It went in the direction of a doctor who is on TV every day at 3 p.m. Yes, he would say that you have an unhealthy need to prove yourself, and he would also say that you should tune in every afternoon at 3. Yes. And fix its delivery on that is fantastic. It's very good. Yeah, it kind of makes me sad there's no Junkie on in the series. Or is there a Junkie on in the series? I don't believe so, no. He could be able to talk to fix it. Oh. Ah. So, uh, so, yeah, we cut back to Strongarm. He, she's reached the jungle, a, a generically Mesoamerican jungle. And Bumblebee is there. He's still following her. But he says, oh, no, I'm, I'm just here as an observer. 
And it's it's totally not because I don't trust you at all. Because <laughs> Well, you know He's a lot of rules trying. and regulation. You're also a completely weird spaz. Yeah, it's, like, it's e- really easy for me to see Bumblebee's side here because A, yeah, she's a little weird. B, they're on a strange planet. C, like, they probably do this regularly on Cybertron. Well, you know, there's, like, surveillance and stuff around. Keep a check on them. Not on Earth. Nope. Got a junkyard. I just thought it felt very dad-like. Yes. He's dadding. He's attempting to be the team dad. Yes. Cut back to the scrapyard. Uh, Denny is working on a terrifying laser blaster. Like, this man is, should not be allowed to touch weaponry. Definitely I, I, a thing that a, hum- a human should not be messing with. Yeah, like, the, the B-plot in this of, of those two, like, causing madness. I'm surprised more the junkyard isn't destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They are, like, there's a lot of tension here, and not, like, the sexual kind. No. Because that would be weird. And yet, in a way, they're bickering like an old married couple. They kind of are. Yeah, this, if they were perhaps more compatible, this could totally end in a Sam and Diane situation. Yes. Uh, Instead, it ends in more of a Sam and Max situation, because this gun explodes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thus killing Denny and changing the series that from here on out. Uh, but no, this is a... Sudden ca- me- no, that's a cyberverse level of tonal shift. Yes. But no, luckily, <laughs> this is just a cartoon, and they just end up with faces full of soot. Yes. Adorably. Like there are a couple yeah. of little rascals who just looked into a tailpipe. I, I halfway expected uh, Denny to turn the beak around from the back of his head. And, and declare <laughs> that this means war. Ah. So they, uh, so we cut back to the jungle. Strong Arm Denny, or Strong Arm and Bumblebee have found this, again, generically meso, these Mesoamerican big stone heads. Kind of like, uh, big Olmec heads. Yeah, but they're, well, it, it, like, they don't look like any I know of. They're, they're big rectangles. Yes. And, and different, and, and I think each head is almost in a different style. It, it's odd. It's good that they're not, like, pinning it down. Like, this is an actual ruin that is going to end up being a slightly destroyed in, in a few minutes. Mm. But but it, it's also artistically annoying. That's like, damn it, I want to place it, but I can't. And uh, we are greeted by a somewhat frog-like Decepticon. Who... Somewhat? Okay, extremely frog-like Decepticon. And he's not like a frog man. He's like a straight-up frog. Yes. yes. And he is ranting and raving about how these stone about statues it. won't tell him where to find the lost city of Doradus. He's great basically, and wonderful Doradus! He's a frog with vehicle kibble. Yes. Yes. He's, yeah, very froggy. Definitely, I, I think he's... It it is weird how there's like uh, I I go on about this all the time with these Decepticons is that there's this like spectrum of humanoid to animal to vehicle. So yeah, he's he's very much the animal turns into a vehicle type. Yes. Yeah, oh, and it, I love his design so much. Like his head is just giant expressive frog thing with lips, and he can swell out his. 
what neck bladder. Yeah, his, his throat uh, pouch, I guess. Big eyes, eyebrows, the dancer, all oh, the animation on him. Oh, he's my favorite. My, I think he might be my favorite design in this entire show. Yeah, he's definitely he is... my favorite face in the show because he's so expressive. And as they say, bonkers. Yes, and he is voiced by uh, John Stephen Rocha, who has not done a ton of other stuff that I'm familiar with, but he's very funny in this. Yes, it's very yeah, good. he he has a slight accent, which is playing into the Dorados, um Spaniards hunting for El Dorado kind of thing. Mm. I don't know if that's his natural accent or not, but it, it, it's faintly in there. And oh, just his delivery—it's like he, like I'm troubled partially. By the fact that, oh, this this is another Decepticon who could be doing well with Cybertronian mental health. Could be doing better. <laughs> but he's been unrestrained and he's really strong. So he's been treated oh, yeah, as a it criminal. Seems like he's extremely violent. Yes. Like, well, it's just that, like he's violent when he doesn't get his way. But he doesn't get his way because he's looking for something that doesn't exist. Or does it? Yes. It doesn't <gasps> exist here anyway no it's probably not on earth yeah no then again that's, that would be a twist well, if it turned true. out the thing that he had been looking for on cybertron for all his life was actually on this random planet he crashed into considering the previous series where in prime where everything ends up on earth it would not surprise me <laughs> no <laughs> that was kind of a problem they had but yeah, he's so over the top and like frogs. Fro uh, frogs are just fun animals and him just hopping around. Yes. Like he does I don't think he ever takes a normal step. Every time he moves, it is a hop. Mhm. Mm yes. He doesn't have like normal feet. He's got, he's got like, yeah, like he's a frog. Well, he doesn't really have frog feet he's either. A he's got like tires. Backwards like chicken feet almost, but they're good at hopping. Like his long leg his front legs are as long as his back legs should be. He's built like a weird frog, but oh, I love him. He's perfect. <laughs> and nuts. Yes. I do like a, a, a good, um, unstable villain. Because he can be, can be, he can be a slightly evil and comedic. Yes. So he, he evades them and he is convinced that they are fellow relic hunters. Which um, uh, oh, yes. I guess means okay. that he's looking for Tia Carrere. Yes! Yes. <laughs> In my notes, Rob <laughs> talks about Relic Hunter. Yes! How many decades was that show on the air? It might still be on the air here in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> See, it was filmed in Canada, so that means that it counts as Canadian content. Which means it can run forever, because you have to run some Canadian content out there. Although you have enough, there are enough shows that people in America have heard of. Running like you have your letter Kenny's, which I should watch more of at some point, other well, than clips. Did you re did you realize that uh, that show Andromeda is still being aired up here? Oh is that shit! The one no, with Kevin Sorbo. Yes, yes, it is. That I mean, is it still has Kevin Sorbo on? I it? mean, it's reruns well, of it. They're not still yeah, making new ones. Show. Although it would oh, be amazing okay. if they were up to like you know Andromeda, you know Deep Space Nine or whatever. I mean, they've been showing that on Pluto TV, but they've been showing a lot of things. On, I mean, Pluto TV just recently added a 24-7 Dark Shadows channel, so <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that something fun. is particularly Pluto. new or relevant. I mean, I would be 100% for a 24-hour 
trashy 90s syndicated action programming channel. That would be pretty great. I would be absolutely on board with that. Get, you, get your your Lost World in there, that Beastmaster series. Ooh, yes. um, the bad ones. Mortal Kombat Conquest. Um, oh, the Land <laughs> of the Lost. The they do show the uh, the Highlander oh, series. That, um, I think they still air that up here, too. Also Canadian. <laughs> yeah. You want to see Blue Mankuma, still... tune in. Well, that was French-Canadian, like... Some of the episodes were actually filmed in France, at least on the first season. Are you sure they they didn't just appear French because uh, noted Frenchman Christopher Lambert was in them? Well, yeah, maybe. No, I I could have sworn maybe it was like just the pilot there, episode. Or there something. can be only one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we've gone way off the, yeah. the field here. <laughs> yes, yeah. So this guy is Springload, who is obsessed with finding the Lost City of Doradus, which is home to the Fountain of Energon. I mean, that seems like just a decorative thing you might have to show your ostentatious wealth, honestly. Well, apparently, though, if you bathe in it, you get eternal power or something. It's like the Fountain of Youth. Uh, It's like the Golden Lagoon or the Lost Cities of Gold. Ah, cities of gold. It just feels like saying, oh, it's the Fountain of Wine. (laughs) (laughs) Or the Fountain of Blood. Okay, but... Yes, found yeah. the blood. Right. No, that's that's weird though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it also that's it's like Halloween. Like he may be crazy. Oh, he's but, extremely uh, crazy. But he's also like he's a theoretical character type a job that I don't think we've seen in Transformers before. He's an archaeologist. Yes. Well, I guess Which wasn't is, um, the, somebody from More Than Meets the Eye was an archaeologist. Really? Do do do. Oh. Oh, um, in the, the comics, you mean? Yeah, yeah. the comics. Well, there's uh... Xeno archaeologists, maybe. Yeah. But it's it, it's such a neat idea since oh they're on Earth, they're on an alien planet. He's curious. Now I'm trying to remember who was an archaeologist in More Than Meets the Eye. <laughs> anyway, but I can't. Uh, yeah, apparently he's just gone on like a rampage through Cybertrons, like historians and museum curators. Because they cannot help him find this place that does not exist. Yes, presumably that's how he ended up in jail, was beating up a museum curator. (laughs) Which again, it's like, this is a character I would love to write for, because I would basically turn his backstory into the Bone Wars. (laughs) Like, there was another guy he was, was, like, competing with, and he just went nuts because they were fighting with each other all the time, and they destroyed each other's lives, and he ended up crazy. And uh, he's an amphiboid. Amphiboid, a, which is yeah, a weird a really... pronounced word. Yeah. It doesn't it's feel right on the tongue. Word. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So, back in the scrapyard, we're, we're now fighting over that Decepticon hunter, because they think they, they both think they can fix it. Yeah. And fix your, uh, scrap, or fix its verbal tick betrays him. <laughs> yes. Oh, the, um. <laughs> he, I figured he was just so angry that it just broke him and he just got stuck in a loop. Oh, you mean the sewing machines? Yes. That one first. Yeah. My mom has a bunch of those sewing machines. At least a couple. And, uh, the, 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 the B plot with, with, um, fix it and Danny kind of goes on too long, I think. Yeah. It needed like a, a, a 
one or two fewer scenes. Yeah, but although there are a couple of moments, like when Denny's digging around in the trash, the stuff he throws up, I actually paused it, and it was... It's a fun game. Not as good as back in animated and the stuff Rekgar was throwing out, which were jokes about him. <laughs> but he tosses up a, like a sword, a waffle iron, a fake arm? Or maybe a mannequin arm? I like arm? the sword. I'm getting this like yeah, mannequin was, arm, maybe. Maybe, because we I think there were mannequins in the next scene, but they didn't mm. have arms. Well, there you go. Yeah, they were in that That's file. why they didn't have arms. Or or no, no, they, they weren't mannequins. They were like, um, oh, what do you get? Dressmaker dummies. Oh, okay. Ooh, got the yeah. I, I sold one. a bunch of these to that uh, that guy, James Gum. Guy was uh, really <laughs> insistent. Uh, said he was uh, gonna put gonna put a nice skin on these. I don't know what uh, what his deal was, but he paid in cash. <laughs> and it's also around this time that uh, Fix It or that uh, Strongarm calls into Fix It because Bumblebee he's decided you know we're gonna call in the whole team. You know, we we need everybody in on this. We need backup, which again is gonna take like a day and a half at yeah. least, probably well, more. For Grimlock, it's going to take three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna walk. Yeah. So anyway, she she does call in for backup, but then once Bumblebee is out of earshot, she's all, "Hey, fix it. Uh, I got Springload. No need to send everybody." And he's like in the last sixty seconds since we last talked, and she's and like, she's, "Yep, we're in a different time zone." <laughs> yes. And he's like, "Oh, great." That doesn't make any sense, but he just buys it. <laughs> yeah there there are some there are a couple jokes oh, in this okay. episode like that time zone one that are just so weird they landed perfectly and made me laugh out loud. <laughs> not how time zones work fix it <laughs> he doesn't know though <laughs> no <laughs> uh, so the so they end up chasing springload into this temple and uh you know he they they try and uh, they try and tackle him he is covered in high powered acid yeah yes. you touch him and it just burns you which is you know very jungle tree which- frog yeah, I guess he's an Ashard tree frog or something. Mm-hmm. I guess he does have the coloration of, like, tree frogs. So, yeah. Well, the brightly colored ones. Because he's, like, this teal, green, and neonish colors. He really is lovely colors. Yes, he's very, yeah. very pretty Which colors. looks really good on, on a beat-up old pickup truck that he turns into. The only yes. problem is he has two toys, and they're both not great. Yes, that is unfortunate. Like, the, there's, oh, what is, the, the bigger one's like uh, one of those one-stepper somethings. Yes. That just looks weird. I never got that one. He's got a Legends. Was it called Legends back then? The I little think so. Bitty ones. Yeah. Which is, it's a pretty good toy for its size. He's a cute little frog. The problem is, he's also tiny, and I want a giant one of him. Yes. Like, I, like with Jen and her filch, I really wanted this guy. At least he mm. got toys. Yes. Yeah, he got some toys, even if they weren't great. Mm-hmm. It's like third party or um Transformers Red series. Give me or yeah. or, frogs. or or give me a give me a Kingdom Spring Load. Yes. <laughs> and then they can recolor him as Spidor. Yeah. Yeah. There I, you go. So yeah, anyways, I guess I could take unfortunately, I like this is, this turns out to be an Indiana Jones style temple because they activate its self destruct mechanism. 
Oops. I'm not entirely sure. They just sort of break it in and it starts to fall apart because they knock a pillar down. And it seems to be like a self-destruct thing. A little bit, but that's not something actual temples really do. Well, no. But sure they do, all the time. It, it, it does on a show, and this is a show. <laughs> that's how they work Wait. on TV, and this is yeah, exactly. on TV, so that's Precisely. how they work. Are we going to have an episode where characters are stuck in quicksand then, too? Maybe. It might be. Cliches uh, actually, from the I think 30s. We might see quicksand on this show. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I would expect that on Rescue Bots. Wait, did we have that on Rescue Bots? I think we did. Probably. <laughs> but but it, it's a gag that feels like it should die because it's not really a thing. <laughs> but, but quicksand. Yeah, it doesn't so. work like that. Not quicksand quite. does not work that way. Yeah, so... So they, they do manage to escape. They are almost crushed. And of course, Springload gets out of there because he can hop. Hmm. And, uh, so we, uh, we cut back the, uh, cut back at the scrapyard. This time, uh, Fixit has messed with Denny's TV, which is the last straw. <laughs> yes, he turns on. Well, okay, why is his TV out in, like, the open, in the elements? Guy likes to watch, uh, watch some TV al fresco. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we have noted in previous episodes, the robots have been watching TV, so presumably yes, this that's is true. the outside TV for them. Yes. But that seems like a short-lived thing. I guess they know to throw a tarp over it if it's going to yes. rain. Yes. Uh, and but it yes. is a junkyard, so he presumably has tons of TVs. Yeah, yes. large CRT. I mean, it doesn't seem to be a CRT one, but I've definitely no. seen these at flea markets. Mm. Yeah. Unless we're counting that diner that they're in a few times, it does not seem like they have a house to live in. <laughs> they don't have an indoor. No. <laughs> they gotta have one somewhere. They gotta sleep. Presumably, but like, I mean, I never saw every episode of this series. Mm. But I've seen all the first season and Enough. like another season worth that I do not ever remember seeing the interior of a house where Denny and Russell live. Like, they just live outside in this junkyard. <laughs> like dogs. I can't actually remember seeing them in a house offhand, but I'll, we'll see, I guess we will see. We'll find out eventually. But anyway, yes. So he turns on the TV, this big, like, it's like the, that, that, intermediate stage that CRTs between CRTs and flat panel TVs where they were like flat and they were getting thinner but they were still kind of big. Anyway, this is me being Denny yeah. as we have covered in previous episodes <laughs> knowing far too much about old junk and caring far too much about old junk. Uh but anyway, he turns it on and it's fix its Decepticon mugshots. It's, uh, it's Cybertron's Most Wanted. It's the only channel he gets now. It doesn't seem very helpful that it's only showing ones that they've already caught. Yes. Yeah, it would It would be nice if, it, at least in one of these episodes, instead of just a silhouette, we saw a preview like, oh, this dude might be in a future episode. Mm -hmm. That would but be the, nice. Most we ever get is silhouettes that cycle through really quickly, and it's mostly just the ones we've seen so far. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. I want foreshadowing, dang it. <laughs> However, we end up with a, uh, soon their conflict comes to a head because they've got a problem to solve. And that is, that Decepticon Hunter is making a weird noise. 
a weird, this is maybe going to explode noise. As reported to them by Sideswipe and Russell. Yes. So they have to, uh, they have to do their bomb defusal act as a team. <gasps> I mean, this is, it's pretty clear at this point that this is something that Sideswipe and Russell have specifically put in front of them or have, have specifically sabotaged and put in front of them to force them to work together. But, but it does work. Yes, because indeed they soon find out that the weird noise is because there's a kazoo in it. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) But But once they find that, they also manage to actually get it working by working as a team. And not just the kazoo, but... Though it would yes, be funny the... if they just got the kazoo working. <laughs> but no, they, they get the Decepticon Hunter because he looks in and this is how I fix things. You're like, okay, there's a thing there that looks like this other thing should connect to it. So let's connect that. And it works. Hooray! Which I I feel like there almost should have been a second gag on top of that. Like when they turn it on, it makes another kazoo noise. And then Russell says, oh, I put two kazoos in there. <laughs> but instead, it, it just works. Although, again, like, Russell thinks of a flail and it becomes a flail. It works for organic life forms, too. That, I think, was a very interesting thing to know. I mean, Wait, I yes. don't oh, know that it's ever It's foreshadowing. I don't know that it's foreshadowing. I got it. I got some foreshadowing. Yay, that'll probably come back. Never. I mean, it might. It's. It's a good enough show that it might, but it also might not. Uh, So we cut back to, uh, cut back to the jungle. They, uh, they find Springload, but he, he's sure, you know, you were killed back in the collapse of the temple. You must be ghosts. (laughs) I love that. I love anytime you think characters have been killed and they show up again and you're like, there must be ghosts. That's a reasonable conclusion to jump to. Well, sure. Wait, uh, it's like he has enough madness going on. You have to make him believe in ghosts, too? I mean, he probably already believed in ghosts. Yeah, the ghosts of Doratus. Quite possibly. But again, in my rewrite, <laughs> I would have him say, ghosts, you can't be ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. And then he just runs away. <laughs> uh, but then the climax wouldn't work. Well, no, not really. So, yeah, they, they, they corner him. He, uh, he gets bumbly with his acid tongue. <gasps> blip. And so, Big blip. strong arms finally all, okay, listen, Bumblebee, why don't you stop being an observer and actually help me? Cause I am otherwise boned. Yeah, she, she called it. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's, he's, he's once again, Pleading with these immobile stone faces to tell him where Doratus is. And so Just she starts. this big, round, neat, designed room. It, it, and there are coffins in there, but there are coffins big enough for a robot. Yes. What, maybe, what were in those coffins before? Maybe um, they is, were very large people. Or they put like five guys to a coffin. Maybe. That's where you put all your grave goods. Yeah. <clears throat> that that's where you put your zombies you want to lock up. Oh no, vampires! Yeah, it's a vampire coffin. Seems Big legit. roomy. So she, so she hides behind a pillar and she's doing a spooky ghost voice. 
She does a good spooky ghost voice. He is not worthy. And so he's he's totally freaking out, and that lets Bumblebee sneak up, knock him into one of these stone boxes, and then they just close the lid on him. Yep, that's it. The end. He's and dead. I'm not exactly sure how. Like, are they going to have to have somebody drive out there with a stasis pod? Are they going to have yeah. to tie him up? They They're yeah, they 2, don't have. Miles away. They could really use a ground bridge right about now. They sure could. Yes. Or at least somebody who has a better trailer hitch than Strongarm. <laughs> I mean, she can carry Grimlock. Yeah, but this is a big stone coffin with a robot inside. So Bumblebee does a spooky voice of his own, and uh, all is well and good. Yep. The day is saved. Yes. But Doradus, it wasn't found. He was worthy. <laughs> he should have found it. He must find it. Again, please come back, little froggy. Come back! <laughs> you have so much more to discover. Uh, and so that is uh, this episode. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, I thought. Yeah. I think Springload is one of the series' best villains. He is yes. a hoot. I guess he's okay. He's no filch. But he's all right. <laughs> well, he, well unfortunately, he gets more to do than filch. Well, yeah, he gets a bunch gets of repeat appearances. And they're, they're oh, all does pretty he? Amusing. Oh, he yeah. does. Yes. I get the feeling the writers liked him. Yes. I think Probably. he appears in... Well, he eventually joins up with Steeljaw. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. And he also gets an amazing team-up with Quillfire, who we haven't seen yet. <laughs> yeah. I sort of vaguely remember him showing up again, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, I... It's... It's kind of a thin episode, and there's a lot of the Denny and Russell stuff, or Denny and uh, Fix. There's stuff a little too much of that, but the, the oh, a little the, too much B plot. Springload stuff is all great, so oh yes, I don't know. Yes, it's a skippable episode, but I really love it. Mm-hmm. It was oh, Bumblebee at the beginning is so adorable when he gets caught. <laughs> yes, he's a good boy. Bumblebee's a very good boy. Oh, oh. I guess it really is good. It breaks up the usual dynamic because usually you have Sideswipe and Strongarm bickering at each other and they're hundreds of miles away from each other. Thousands. Yes. So, so you get, Two thousand. You get better different pairs. It's, oh, my throat is pissy tonight. Well, that is unfortunate because I believe it is now time for, for David's Tokusatsu Corner. Yeah, give me a sec. <laughs> Okay, this week on Kiku Sentai Gogo 5! The Black Snake Trap. This week starts weird in that it starts with cat burglars stealing, like, jewelry and glowing crystal things. But they're, like, all-female cat burglars that come in on hang gliders and, like, every third shot is actually, like, a colored manga panel, which is weird. Okay. I mean, every once in a while, there are, like, um, static art stills that show up in Sentai. Well, I guess it might show up more in other tokusatsus, like uh, the Metal Heroes. We have a scene of, like, oh, this is what happened if this giant robot gets out and destroys a city. Or this is what happened on an alien planet. But this is for just some cat burglars hang gliding in to break into a building and stick onto the ceiling with suction cups to steal 
glowy crystals. It's a little weird, but I like the cat burglar angle. <laughs> and of course, these are the black snakes stealing this new ore thingamabob to do... <laughs> Question mark? Anyway, the, the new ore thingy, which I didn't even bother to write the name down of, because it's not important, because it, it's another unobtainium nonsense. It's like, oh, we could, we could power the entire country if we unlock the power of this rock! Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's never going to show up again. <laughs> so many things. Uh... The Blue Ranger gets called in by a science research facility to upgrade their security systems because these black snakes are stealing the rocks everywhere. So he upgrades it. And then there, there's a play out of like them sneaking in the security and a back and forth until finally he catches them in a giant cage that descends from the ceiling. Which <laughs> is so over the top. That's how I want to be captured. Yes, but it turns out that the cat burglars are Dennis and three of the imp henchmen, the basic mooks, only they're wearing a chest armor bra thing that looks like hers, and they have little bat wings on them, like her. And and a, and a little, um, I guess, scarf around their waist. It's very weird. She has her own three themed henchmen, who, as far as I know, only appear in this episode. I don't think they've appeared before. But anyway, so back and forth with that, they steal the rock from there, and then, oh no, we have to collect all the other of these rocks that the cat burglars, who turn out to be these alien villain monsters, have been stealing. We get them all from all over the world, bring them together in Japan to make it more convenient for them to steal, stick it in a box, set up a laser grid, have the rangers hide in corners of a warehouse, but that Dina's, like, can apparently control snakes, has a snake w- wiggle up to the sensor, set it off, the rangers come running to check. Oh, there's nothing here. Repeat a few times until they're like, oh, fuck this. At which point she and her henchmen come. Oh, no, it's... No, she summons more snakes, which turn into change, which wrap up the f- other four rangers, because now she knows where they've been hiding. And then she just waltzes in and takes the rocks. And then the Blue Ranger has to chase him, and they're all angry and nonsense. And then the plan is to blow up Mount Fuji with these rocks or something? Sure. Sure. This episode is very tenuously glued together with random scenes, it feels like. It it just kind of falls apart. But at the end, whatever. Um, There's no Monster of the Week, which I didn't realize until like ten minutes in. It's like... Wait, what? No what? 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 Ah. It's just Venus, these three imps with a little bit of extra armor, and that's it. But like, like sometimes, like you have an episode where it's like one of the main generals will be doing a lot of the fighting, and at the end of the episode, oh, I'll summon a monster I've had in in like storage for the final fight. No, not for this episode. In this episode, one of the imps gets turned giant, <laughs> which. I I mean, I know there have been giant mooks in other epi- series or something, but it's the first time I can remember, like, a re- just a regular grunt foot soldier being turned into a giant monster. Like, one of the only other times I could think of, I forget what series it is, like, the mooks can, like, sort of merge together into a giant homunculus puddle so it looks different. Yeah. It's not quite the same. But this is just that, that intern... A grunt, Larry, who's a giant monster, or I guess, I Poor guess, guy. 
female themed because they're with Dennis. Yeah. Uh, Ligma. Female. Ligma. Yes, Miss Ligma <laughs> is there to get beat up. Oh, but they have a shadow clone trick. So there's three of them. But they, and it is neat that they brought out the first robot that they haven't used in a while to beat up this mook. <laughs> like, eh, we'll we'll just use the basic robot. It's fine. So it, it it's breaking the formula, but not breaking the formula in this episode. <laughs> so it's slightly amusing, but not as good as last episode. It is goofy. And I forgot that the imp minions, like, they chant chicky chicken. I haven't noticed that as much lately. Because I guess it's been more about the monster of the weeks instead of the beating up the minions. But this episode, since it was focusing on Dennis and three of them, you got a lot of chicky chicken, chicky chicken. Very silly. Weird. I, I, I don't like it. Not, not really. Well, I didn't like that the Blue Ranger punched Dennis in the gut. This episode is like, well, it starts with her being a cat burglar and ends up just knocking her down a peg continuously. Although I did like, like, after they beat the giant minion, like, Dennis turns around to run away, and then Blue is just sitting on a rock with his legs crossed, looking as smug as you possibly can with a full face covering helmet on. <laughs> and just says, yo. <laughs> then he punches her in the gut. Punch it. So it's not a great episode, but it's an interesting one. But villains. Villains of the week. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and I then like they them. didn't enlarge last time, and... So they're throwing all the conventions out the window. No, last time he enlarged, it was well, it was a, one of the previous episodes where they didn't enlarge. Ah, okay. It hasn't been happening every time, but I, I, I like the breaking of the formula of no giant monsters. <laughs> it, it, it's good now and then, every like ten episodes or so. It's for a change of pace. All right. All right. There's enough toys to sell. Yeah. All right, so that uh, now brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, but until next time, you can find us all over there. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, every month we do some kind of special episode. Uh, sometimes when there's movies coming out, it's whatever the big movie is for the month. Uh, when there's no movies coming out, it's Kimono Friends, it's Pride of the X-Men, it's Inhumanoids this month for Halloween. Uh, sometimes it's GoBots. Uh, so just a, as little as a dollar a month gets you access to... Uh, not just the current month, but also our back catalog of episodes, which at this point is quite a substantial amount of listening. Uh, yeah, we're so... in the 30s or something? No, no, we're in like the 40s. 40s? Oh, oh dear. I have, I have mm. lost count. It's a lot. <laughs> We've done a lot of these. Uh, well, plus there's also the, um, the 13, no, 12 episodes of The Gridman. S-S-S-S-S-S. Gridman. Well, that's not for Patreon, though. No, that was was on the main feed. So that's even more, even more stuff you can listen to. Lots of content. That's right. So much content. Uh, But yes, for Halloween, we will be watching an episode of Inhumanoids. We haven't recorded yet, but I am looking forward to it because that is probably one of my biggest blind spots in 80s cartoons. 
So I, I will be like whenever we, we have something like He-Man where Rob is like, I was vaguely familiar with this, but did not realize the details were quite this insane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing how insane the details are. All right. So in, until next time when we ask, can you dig it? Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> Until then, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. Deezers come out to play, yay! <laughs> I'm David. Great. <laughs>